This is Gaming NBS episode 03, Character Death. Welcome to Gaming and BS, where we talk about gaming and throw in a lot of mishmash stuff. My name's Sean, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Brett, I'm the other guy. <laughs> the other guy, seriously? I'm the other guy, the other guy. That's all I had right now. I'm sick. Give me a break. Brett's feeling a little under the weather, unfortunately. I am indeed. So Although I, you- I even have this kick-ass new microphone headset deal here, and... You're just going to hear, like, hi-fi coughing probably at some point. So I'll do my best to keep that at minimal. Hi-fi coughing. Coughing in hi-fi. <laughs> All right. Hey, so let's dig into the show, shall we? So I want to thank everybody for downloading and supporting the podcast to this point so far. If you stuck with us this far, I mean, it can only get better, right? Or maybe worse. Who knows? <laughs> The potential either direction. We're early enough in this; it could totally go sideways. Yet we could we could lose everybody, or we could gain you know millions of viewers, who knows, or visitors, listeners. That's right. Uh, so we appreciate the social interacting uh, because it's the root of gaming, right? We're all social. You know, it's funny, Brett. It's thinking of social. I know this is going off on a tangent, but it's funny how many people think that gamers are introverts and not social. But you know, I think some of the gamers are probably some of the most social people. Um, at least What's some that, of the people, yeah, go ahead. It's that controlled social piece, right? Where you're social in your gaming world. If I take you outside the gaming world, it's the classic, right? You know, here, here's a pretty girl lock, <laughs> you know, you got nothing, nothing in the tank. Oh, well, no, yeah. no metal connection. But I think that's honestly, it's, I mean, I, we work in it, right? I, I've been working in it for my entire career and it's the same thing. You get a bunch of network guys who know Cisco routing and switching and firewalls backwards and forwards, they're incredibly social once you crack into them. You know, once you're in it and you're in that group, they'll talk your ears off. Yeah, there is a sense of familiarity with anything, I imagine. If you get into a social group or a gathering that's outside of what you're familiar with, I imagine there is always a tendency to be a little bit awkward. Um, so, also, hey, if you, uh, we want to really go out on a limb on this one. So, uh, if you would be so kind to go out on iTunes. Now, we don't typically solicit. Uh, anything, and we probably won't for any other episode at any given time. But Brett and I thought instead of putting it mildly, we would just really put it out there like begging for an iTunes review. Yes. I, I actually don't care if we get a one star. Did you hear about the, the restaurant on Yelp that was begging for like one star reviews? Yeah, I think it's funny because it's that famous when you and I were just talking about this with uh, headphone reviews. Right? I was looking at the Sony's that I bought. And I look at the five stars, you're like, yeah, blah, 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 love it, love it, love it. And I'm like, ooh, what's the worst thing someone has said? Because I want to see, does that person have a legitimate gripe or not? So you're, we're very interested in the best and the absolute worst, the middle ground, the threes, the fours, the twos. Yeah, I don't give a crap. But I want to see what somebody thinks is the worst reason to eat there, or shop there, or whatever it is. So I can see why so that I, would uh, be cool. So they this so this restaurant Yelp, it, it's, I mean... If I'm talking about it, it's working because it's made some yes. its rounds. So I think people are looking it up because the stuff that they're putting out there to give them a one star review is like crazy. Like they didn't give me an iPad with my purchase. Or really, <laughs> they really suck or something along those lines. And I think they're actually compensating people. Like they're giving them a, I want to say like a twenty five percent off coupon for leaving them a, a review on Yelp of some kind. Anyways, if you're too, you know, hey, sometimes we just don't think about it. We're out there doing our thing. So what I was nice enough to do was write up the actual review for you, which I will put on our website and probably our Google Plus page, maybe a link from Twitter. And I'll read that to you really quick. Like, So this is completely impartial. I wanted to make it something that would embrace the show and still be, you know, Something from you, like it sounded like you, and it expressed your feelings. So 
I'm going to read that to you right now. Have you read this, Brett? Um, I glanced at it, which is... so. Is it... Brett approves of this. I know he does. Uh, oh, of course. I, I obviously do. Right. So, <laughs> Gaming and BS is a great podcast. I especially like Sean's intelligent insight into role-playing games. He keeps it light and has a good presence on the mic. The guy should really be in radio. Brett is okay, too. And overall, good production. Highly recommend this to RPG gamers everywhere. If the volume is just right, you can smell the Wisconsin cheese. I swear these were my own words. They were not provided by Sean or anyone associated with gaming and BS. That's fair. That's fair. I've got a, I've got a slightly smaller one, a little, a little more succinct that I wrote. Oh, I I'm, see that now. You did add to <laughs> yes, the agenda. I, I did. I, I threw this out there. I'm thinking... I'm kind of. I'm just going for raw honesty with mine, and, and, and let's. Let me go through it here. That Brett guy is awesome. Sean is doing the best he can for a guy with his condition. Bless his heart. But it needs more cowbell. Five stars. That's it. That's it. Right there. I think that very good. Succinct. That just call, that covers out all the bases. So if you want the longer version or the shorter version, now you've got two to choose from. Exactly. I think captures the show very well. <laughs> And, and and we will thank you right now in advance for posting your unbiased, um, yeah, your your uninfluenced opinion of our of what we may call some type of production show here. Exactly. All right. So let's go into random encounter. So Zave is a he's a friend of yours, right? Yep, Zave. Uh, Zave is one of my oldest and dearest gamers. I've known Zave for over twenty years at this point. <laughs> he was, uh, was in my uh, Vampire games back in the day, um, just before I'd actually moved out of my hometown and down to Madison. So it's been a long, long time I've known this guy. He still so, games with me now. Awesome. So Zave, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I haven't had the chance to meet you. Hopefully, in the near future, we'll get together sometime. But he was the first one to give us our actual first listener email and so what we typically would do is we're going to start talking about random encounter and since emails and tweets and google plus are more random than anything i think we're going to incorporate like calls emails tweets google plus posts about the show we're going to incorporate them into random encounter zave was the first guy to do it thanks zave appreciate it so what we're going to do is we're going to um uh, talk about his email and read it out loud. I'll have Br- Brett. You you want to do that? Sure, I can. I've got it up right here in front of me. Ready? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, normally, let's see how we, we might want to get a little crunch. You know, crush these down a little bit. But figures first one in. Zay was Zay was kind enough to do it. So got yeah, great job, guys. Uh, just got the chance to sit down and listen to both episodes one and two. So he's got a question for us to think about and if we'd share our thought on the podcast at some point in a story driven game where the goal of the player is to try to play the character as true to life as possible in the world laid out by the GM. Why all the worry about character death, both by, by the GM and the players? I think this is why there's metagaming going on, obviously speaking back to our last episode of metagaming. Also why uh, GMs are worried about how players will react to one roll kills. Is, uh, is not the death of the character part of the story? If no one dies or only NPCs die, I think there's something lost in the telling slash playing of the story. I understand... That when playing with new or younger players, the goal is to have fun and get all the gold, girls, kill the dragon, and to make it home to tell everyone. But as we become better players, is not the goal of having fun and playing the characters true to the story as possible, including their death. And that's what that's where Zave's coming from. So, having said that, and having Zave send us the first listener email, we're going to actually incorporate the, his topic question into the the main topic of discussion for the show so having said that we hope to hit all of zave's questions in this discussion but we're going to talk about pc death in this episode we've actually touched on it in we touched on the pilot and last time talking and uh, probably more me i think than anybody else perhaps inferring rightly or wrongly in some of the discussions so i can see where where this question would come up in zave's mind knowing him as a player and he's one of those guys who if he makes a character and uh, it makes sense for the character to do something that would be quote unquote stupid, um, but that's within the character's vein. He does said stupid thing and gets eaten, as happened to one of his characters. <laughs> yeah, he's going to play that. You know, he doesn't see any reason to metagame that. Say, no, I don't want to lose this guy. He's like, you know what? This is true to character. I'm going to go out and do it. So, I get where he's coming from because I see him play, and this is how he plays. So let's start out with the 
let's start out with you and I, right? So we'll start with you because I think I know your answer, but the rest of the internet land probably doesn't. So what are your thoughts? When you GM, first of all, are you okay? I imagine you are okay or you are not okay with player death or player death. You're okay with player death? Absolutely. Excellent. Now going into character death, are you okay with character death? (laughs) Yeah, but I've only, well, I don't think I've actually lost a player. <laughs> Character death, though. It's still um, early. It's still it's still early. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, I've known these guys for 20 years. There's a possibility. I mean, we're, some of our guys are in there encroaching on at 50, so we, you, know, you never know. If you play long enough, it is just a matter of time. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. Now, when we talk character death, right? Um, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with character death. And part of it um, depends on kind of the how it's done, I guess. It, and that's hard, and that comes, just let me think about this. If you say that, people go, ah, he's one of those thin, uh, you know, cinematic guys, or he's got to have it in theater, and it's got to be this beautiful um, death that has this great deep meaning, and so on and so forth. Eh, not necessarily. You know, I've had characters get torn apart by ghouls due to some bad die rolls, but it was in the moment, and it made sense, and this is just what happened. He was mobbed by ghouls, he couldn't get away, he failed his die rolls, and he was eaten. And everybody went, ooh, that sucks. But hey, we knew the job was dangerous when we signed up for it, so off we go. What do you think, Sean? Oh, well, so I um, I am okay with character death. Character death. Not players. You don't like players to die, just characters. Player, or player death? Uh, well... It all depends on the circumstances, right? <laughs> okay. I, I prefer not to kill players. It's, there's very bad repercussions for killing players. Yes, there are. Characters, not so much. But even then, sometimes. I'm okay with character death um, as a GM. I, and I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of GMs that would actually be uh, opposed to player... Or, God, come on, I keep saying player death. Opposed to character death. Um Although I did listen to a podcast recently where they would think that any GM that kills a character is a dick, I don't necessarily agree with that. I I don't want to get into that whole spiel, but um, if you do disagree and are not um, in favor of killing characters, by all means, drop us an email and let us know why, because um, we'd love to hear your rationale behind that, because uh, you're obviously wrong, and we are right, and we will set that record straight right away. But having said that, now, you are okay with it. I'm okay with it. But how do you set that with your players? And if you go into some diatribe about that's how your your players are the most awesome players in the world, and that's just the way they roll, I will it. reach through this mic and choke you. <laughs> no, I think what it comes... Um, I got two pieces. that, I, that I'm, First part, I, and I don't lose this first, so I'll just I'll hang on in the back of my mind here. Um, how I get that through with a group is... The first time I ran for my group, long, long time back, was Vampire. And I never told anybody this, but I never killed a character on purpose. I had two ways you could die. One, you told me I want this guy to die because I want a different character. Or Mm -hmm. two, it was a thematically beautiful, gorgeous, gothic way to die because we're playing Vampire for Christ's sake. It's got to be this beautiful way to go. And we agree on it. And boom, it's this huge thing. It's the climax of the story. It was story-driven, 100%. Otherwise, I didn't kill anybody. I took away all your shit. I destroyed your life. I um, broke you down emotionally. I've had uh, had grown men cry, um, that type of thing. But generally speaking, though, is that when I started to pull away from that, we started playing D&D again and a couple other games where I'm like, you know what, player death is going to be more possible here. The first thing I did was I started to run into, kind of like I talked about the last time, was a small encounter. And it was touchy. It was really touch and go. When I when I say touchy, I mean touch and go. Where they got hit, it was clear that there was no way out. And the questions I'm asking them, like, are you sure you want to stay? You're probably going to die. Look at what's happening. This guy's dead. This guy's dead. He's not stopping. Are you sure you want to push this? Because you could easily die. And um, to get the group shifted from a mental state, from what we used to do, where no one died, unless it was beautiful, um to, oh my god, I could die because this is a dangerous job and I'm in the middle of the jungle or I'm, you know, a mile below the earth and these are Drugar. Um, you just kind of worked it into them. The first couple of combats, the first few traps, close calls, kill an NPC or two, there's, I like, there's dead, 
and um, drop people down to one or two hit points, like in one hit, in two hits, and scare the crap out of them. Well, then they start to realize this nobody's fucking around anymore. You could die. And then from that point on, I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it. If I'm attached to this person, um, if we have what we're doing at the beginning where we're saying player and character interchangeably, when you actually feel that as a player, if you feel the character is you and somehow that that character being killed is a slam against you and all the work you've put into it and everything that goes with it, then you're taking it as a personal attack versus something that happened to the thing you're driving. You know, it's the guy who whose character gets killed in World of Warcraft and he snaps his keyboard in half because he's pissed off or throws his mouse across the room. You know, it, it's that... It, do you have an inappropriate emotional investment in the character or not? But again, how I got people through it was I just started to walk into it and the first time they got hit, you dropped them down like one hit point. Like, hey, guess what? Hey, this is how you roll stability in Pathfinder. Click, click. Because if you don't, you're dead in 10 rounds. Like, oh my God, this he's not kidding. You know, I could really die. That's that's kind of how we went from nobody dies unless it's this beautiful semantic thing all the way to, nope, you know, if I get hit in the head with a crossbow bolt, yeah, I'm dead. That's what happens. So you, it sounds to me like you do quite quite a bit of, like, w- warning in a, as the game progresses and you get into those situations. Like, hey, you can stay, but you're going to, you know, you're going to, you could die if you take one more hit, right? I, I warned them at the beginning. And when I say the beginning is when I started in my Avalon world, my fantasy world that we're running in. When I started that setting with them, I said, this is how the setting works. They got it. And then we started to play it. And boom, you get the warning. Boom, you get the next warning. Third time, you're dead. Like, oh, wow, he wasn't fucking around. I actually died. And off you go. And then no one can say, well, I was still, you know, I was still remembering the last time I played Amber or we were playing Mage and it was this, it was super hard to kill us and blah, blah, blah. No, you were warned. You had plenty of opportunity to learn if you're bothering to pay attention. Sure. I've had I've had players in my group get pissed off about it, but the rest of the group goes, he warned you, he told you twice, you know. Yeah, and I think there's a we talk about social contract all the time, and I know we could beat that thing to a dead pulp, but one of the things I think, um, and I don't I don't think I express it enough in character death, like, hey, I'm just letting you know this is a, you know, you're gonna die or you could die. I'm I'm this isn't I don't play the heroic campaign where I fudge dice just so you can live, but going into fudging dice, do you? You know, a lot of people don't mind if they die if it's their choice, right? Their character yes. dies if it's their choice. If I, if I, you know, Brett says, hey, if you stay in this room and you get hit one more time, you're at one hit point, this guy's dealing out 20 apiece, it's going to put you at neg, neg 19, whatever, you're going to go down. Yep. What do you do? And if that care, if that player says, I'm going to stay in there, I don't care, I understand the consequences, then I think a lot of them are okay with with the circumstances and the what happens, the outcome. But what about, you know, we play, you know, the OSR guys, they play, um, you know, in the first edition AD&D, they've got save or die. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's to a, a die roll. So a whole other subject is fudging die rolls because of this type of situation, and you don't want to kill a character simply due to a die roll. Or do you, right? Because or, or if, do you? If the system, and this is where we can, we, we've talked about this over the uh, lunch hour conversation, right? Sometimes Brett says systems don't matter, and sometimes I say they do. And the th- piece that really makes it to me to determine, will I let a bad die roll, you know, fate, whatever you want to say, I unlucky today with my sixes or unlucky with my 20, to let that kill me comes down to the system we're running. Not only the world. Is the world really such a place that, you know, when the purple worm stabs you, too bad you're dead. Or you drank paint thinner, too bad you're dead. But if you're, um, if you're playing Osric, if you're playing AD&D, even basic D&D, uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics for kind of loud. I mean, shit kills you left and right or mutates you all the time. Um, the whole feeling of that setting, which is basically the rules helping to set the world. So it's, again, to me, it's more world-based. Um, the setting. If the setting is such that, you know what, it's capriciousness, it's strange, it sucks, but, you know, there's enough stories of um, of guys in war, you know, the, my, uh, my my wife's grandfather was in uh, first Airborne during World War II, and at one point his lieutenant stuck his head around, just corner of his head, just to peek around a jeep, and got shot right between the eyes and blew the back of his head out. And I remember uh, Grandpa telling me that story, he's like, yeah, that was pretty freaky, he had blood and brains and bone all over me. 
wow. I mean, it's just straight bad die roll, right? I mean, it's a horrible life, real life experience. But when you when you're playing this game and the world is set up that you know what, bad die roll, you're dead because guess what? People are hacking at you with swords. Yeah, it might not seem heroic to some people, but the other pieces, you know, and I think John Wick has said this a couple of times. How uh, heroic is it if you know you can't die? How heroic is it really if you think you can always win or you all have a better than fair chance of walking out? If, on the other hand, one die roll means life or death, it's that's a little more heroic to say, you know what? I pick it up. I grab the sword. I save the princess. I do this thing. I, I stab the dragon with this sword I just picked up off the treasure mound because my other one melted. It's, it's a crazy thing to do, and you're hoping for the best, but you know what? It could kill you. So there's also... You know, so going into players, are they, you know, are, as a player, because I know you don't play a lot, and I play 75, 25 probably, maybe 50, 50 more recently, but so as a player, are you okay if your character dies? And so as a player, how do you answer that? As a player, one of my biggest flaws as a player is I game master too much. Right. And that means I get bored as hell with my character after about five sessions. I'm like, whatever, I want a new one. So I don't care. I have like little or no attachment to them. I build these great guys. They got this great personality. Everything's really cool with them. But after all, I'm like bored. I would just chuck them. I want a new one. So I don't care. And guys yeah. like Dave, you know, his isn't it part of the story? His character, he looks at it um, like in a novel or anything else where he's saying, you know what? If my character's run his course and he's supposed to die here, that's okay. Zabel's take a week. I shit you not, a week to write up character background and all this stuff and go, hey, Brad, here's this packet of info and here's all this stuff, his mother, his uncle, his cousins, and everybody's left alive and what his favorite color and his favorite food is and where he buys his berries from the market. And Kevin, another guy who plays with me, will do the same thing and make these great in-depth characters. And Kevin doesn't care how long they last. If it takes him two days to make a character and the character lasts five minutes, whatever, he'll make another one just the same. Yeah, I've run into I've run into situations where that isn't necessarily the case. Um, I think I've told you about my buddy Jeff when we were kids. Now, granted, we were probably like fourteen years old or thirteen, but yeah, he the GM or the DM killed this guy, and and Jeff would be the guy that would make the portfolio and he'd write his you know draw his character sketch, and he'd handwrite the portfolio in like a small binder with parchment type paper that he would make look like parchment purposely and you know it took a lot of hours for him and he would always be proud he'd always look like you guys see my character look at this you know and he'd show it to him and i'm like that's great it's gonna he's gonna die anyway and I, this was before i was a big dm or gm and you know it was in the middle of wisconsin winter and his character died and he took all of his books and tossed them out into the front of his house into the snow <laughs> Um, it's just sorry, so funny. Sorry, it's like a 13 year old temper tantrum. And I give him shit to this day about that. And so of course we pick it up for him. Like, come on, Jeff, you know, and he's like, never wanting to play again. You know, D and D sucks, you know, it's completely bullshit and all this other crap. And he goes on a tirade. Well, you know, he's, he's playing to this day, but still you get a little gun shy about killing this guy. Cause he's just going to throw a complete temper tantrum. And the, you know, he's older than 13 now. And it probably wouldn't surprise me if he still did it. And if he listens to this podcast, <laughs> Jeff, you know, I love you. I just mean this all good. Uh, well, I think that goes to what, what, what we started with. And I, I hinted at is that if the play, if when we say player death versus character death, we joking, but I think some people don't get it, right? Some people are really attached, and they put all this time into it. And when you put that much effort into it, and we're older now, right? We're in our 30s, we're in our 40s, and we're looking at some stuff going, God, you know, I spent all this time building this guy, and a fucking kobold dropped a rock on me, and I'm dead. Oh, this sucks. You know, so that I get where you're frustrated. And we go, Man, this guy had such great potential. He was, you know... You know, Lothar of the Hill People or whatever, and he was this amazing guy, and he had this really had a lot of good potential for him, but uh, he's dead. Oh, that sucks. You know, and I, I mean, I get the depression component of it, but I do believe kind of where Zave is coming from. Like, yeah, that's part of the story. Sometimes people die, you know. In the Dragonlance books, God is, is um, you know, you go back and you read them now, they're, they're absolutely abysmal, but, you know, Flint Fireforge, the dwarf, he dies. That's horrible. Sturm, Brightblade. 
Night of uh, the Night. He died. That was horrible. But guess what? Yeah, the but Sturm, was awesome. Sturm did it on his own. Oh, he told you. He's like, yep, I can't use a dragon lance. I'll fight that dragon. Yeah. Look, I'm dead. Yeah, so that would be where the, the player was like, I'm okay if I die. So do um, you do do we do the social contract thing? We say, you know what? Jeff will only die if he says it's okay. Brett doesn't care because he gets bored. Dave will die as long as it's part of the story. Sean could give a shit, you know, where the dice fall, they fall. Do you, as a game master, then make concessions for each individual person? I've got like eight to ten guys that show up to my games at any given point. Usually not all at once, you know, because of schedules and stuff. But usually a core of six or eight people show up to play. It's really hard to make concessions for everybody, right? So you kind of... You either have to, maybe you have to get ready for somebody to get pissed off and crush the table, you know, and uh, have you ever seen that video of the guy who, the big heavy dude who loses that katana and like smashes the table and flips it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> do, do you worry about that guy? Do you just not invite him to the game next time because he's an ass? Do you, um, or do you just, you know, too bad, you know, you got mad through your books in the snow, too bad, I'm sorry, brother, but, you know, it's, it's what happens. I don't know. I know what I would do with my group because I've known them. And when I played with um, the, the high school kids and when I played with um, another group I had down in Madison a number of years ago, um, it was pretty much if you died and you got mad about it, like, look, it's the game. That's just how it goes. And you just held your ground, you know, and I, that's how I did it. I'm like, sorry, you died. It sucks, but you're dead. And uh, you fought a dragon. What did you expect would happen? Somebody might die. And this is what happened. Yeah, it's tough because I don't, I don't know if there is a right answer and a wrong answer. And I think with Zave and his inquiry is 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 very hard to. People would say there's going to be a few camps, right? Yep, I completely get a you know understand with Zave and he's gonna yeah I, it's for the story. I totally support that you know as a player and I have a character. I know that he's going to die and it'll propel the story forward, uh, or or not. It de- yeah, it also depends right on the group. But how do you confront each player with that question? How do you set that? Like, so for example, I I may be starting a fifth ed game because my party flaked or my group flaked this past week, and I need something a little bit more consistent than oh, we missed one week and now it's another week and it's been a month since we played and I need my fill, man. I need my fill, Brett. I need my fill, man. <laughs> and so, um, you know, maybe one of those where I have to sit down with the entire group and say, hey, just so you know. Um, I don't know how you guys play, but this is the way it's going to kind of roll. I- I'm not about you tripping on a needle and dying. However, you know, um, if you if you're up for character death and you want to do it, let me know. Just say, hey, I w- I'm okay with me dying in this fashion because this is going to happen. So I had a campaign when I was a player, and I told the DM, I'm like, look. I'm okay with my guy dying. I, I'm actually looking to get him killed, quote unquote. And the reason being was just that I was like you, I was kind of tired of playing him. So I told the DM and when he died and I'm like, oh, I'm dead. The whole table kind of looked at me almost as if, um, I don't know why I must get these reactions out of the, the players. Cause I've stopped a few games in their tracks where they just look at me like, what the oh my, fuck is wrong with that guy? Dude, they, you just, you just died. You're not like mad or pissed off, or I mean, damn, because we I was I don't know ninth level, tenth level. It had been like a two year long campaign, you know. So they're probably like, what, you know? As a and and part of it was player, maybe some of it was character. Like, hey, this our buddy's dead, and so I think with um, I think you got to handle it. You know, there's the out to get you GM who wants to kill the players or players. They want to kill them. <laughs> yeah, they totally want to kill them. God the damn it. I've only, worked, I've only had a couple players that I actually physically wanted to kill. It was a very small number. I don't play with them anymore. Oh, Jesus. Anyways. So well, it's the killer, killer DM thing, right? Where you're like, really? There's no chance in hell. Everything I try, you know, I touch the wall, it's poison, you die. Okay, I touch the floor. Sorry, it's poison, you die. I try to call and ceiling. Ah, I'm sorry, it's a trap or it eats you your head. You know, well, what? You know, it's beyond, it's taking the old school Tomb of Horrors past even that level and everything will kill you i had a guy um my buddy john he used to run um ad and he actually had his own version of it you know this insane and he wouldn't have fun with you until you were like 15th level to start with this is like nth degree insane level of stuff and 
everything in his adventure was to kill you. You walked into a room if there's a party of eight of you, and there's one, you know, halfling with a short sword standing there, squared off against you. That halfling with a short sword can kill the entire party if you're not smart. Because <laughs> that's how he built it. It was a chant. It was just, you know, you against him. We talked about that a little bit last time. <sighs> Excuse me, with a, with a metagaming piece where it's, you know, very adversarial. The adversarial GM sucks, at least in my opinion, if you're not ready for that. And I think what you said, and we've said this a couple times, is that to really be the mature gamer and to just be honest as either player or the game master, especially say, this is the world I'm going to run. I like to run a world where, you know, the, the, God, the gods are fickle, fate is fickle, one bad die roll, you can die, and that's just how I see this running. I want that kind of flavor. I really think that'll be fun, and this is how we're going to do it, and I'll give you plenty of chances to bring in NPCs or refresh your characters, and yeah, there's, well, there's no, the healing's limited, or there's no resurrection, it's really hard. If you set those ground rules up front, either verbally or written, you're going to get better results. If nothing else, some player will raise his hand and say, I don't want to play like that. And right. you can then say, oh, okay, sorry, Sean, you know where the door is, that's where you all came in. Or you can say, okay, what, what part of that don't you like? Well, I don't like this. And then you can have a back and forth and figure it out. And I honestly think, as cheesy as it sounds, we need to have more of that discussion at the table, in person, or an email, or a Google Plus post community. I have a lot of, I uh, set up different communities for the different games I run with the groups that are invited to them. And I put up different stuff. Hey, this has this. You're going to be a thief, and this is the type of setting it is, or you're part of this adventurer's guild, and this is what you're up against, and so on. So they understand the ground rules going in, and they don't feel ripped off or that I surprised them. You know, even when I run, like for the high schoolers and um, other newer people, or people I played with in Madison when I first moved down here. They didn't understand how I played at all. I didn't bother to explain it to them at first, and they got really pissed off. Well, you know, in fairness to them, I, I, I kind of agree. They should have been pissed off, because I didn't bother to explain how I did things. And, you know, if I look back in high school, we had a kid, Chad, who used to... He was the toughest game master in town. He was that kid. Well, the thing was, he was an ass. He was a complete and utter ass. Everything you did, he, he wouldn't give you any information unless you specifically asked something... What color is the moss? What does it feel like? How heavy is it? Da, 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 da. Just to figure out if it was, you know, what you're looking for. Or, I mean, it was just it was insane. No matter what you did, you were going to die. This is terrible. But he never explained that. If he were told you out of the gate, then you'd be like, oh, okay, so you're a dick, and this is how you run your world. All right. I either choose to play with you, or I figure out how to um, gracefully not show up that evening. Yeah. I do think there's a lot of discussions that need to take place at the table that typically don't because for a variety of different reasons. Half the time, maybe we don't even think about it. But I think a lot of the failure of game groups or or gaming group chemistry fails because they you just you're we don't want to be um, you know we're adverse to conflict. We don't want to you know get in people's faces about how we play or how we, you know, we don't like this. or We don't like that. I mean, I recently had a, a GM and I, you know, he, he volunteered, he ran us through, um, some adventures and, you know, there was a couple times where I would try to kind of say some things and I, you know, he was overwhelmed with trying to keep up with a six player, um, group. And, you know, I, it just, some of that stuff fell through the cracks as far as, um, him paying attention to some of his players and what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it. Um, and I think just some of those conversations get, you know, left behind, unfortunately. And then you end up having to make up a lie on when you're going to change your gaming schedule, but you, you do, and then you don't like, Oh yeah, Hey, I gotta, we gotta play Thursdays. Oh, you know, Jack, you can't play Thursdays. Oh, that sucks, man. That Sorry. Sucks oh, yeah. Wow. That really. Is, what a bummer. And you know. Then well, I'll tell you what, though. I think the conversation needs to happen not only from you, game master, to me, player, but from me, player, with my players, my fellow players, back to you. You know, I had um, I ran a game for a group I used to work with back when I was uh, working at Burby in Madison. And I did this thing about, oh, this would be really cool. I'm going to transport them to this new world, uh, the Iron Kingdom's world, a lot of Greyhawk. It'll be wonky. It'll be strange. It'll be crazy. And they'll have to, they're good enough. They'll totally understand this. And my arrogance was, they're good enough. I had this feeling in my head, like, oh, they can handle this. Like, I always had this big, highfalutin idea. Well, dumbass me didn't bother to check that, guess what? 
These guys didn't like having all their magic and power ripped away from them, thrust basically naked into a new world at the level they were at. They worked long and hard to get somewhere, and they were fine trying out a new world, but they would have liked to try the new world as new characters in that world. Right. right. I didn't ask. I thought, ooh, I'll surprise them. Well, dumbass me, didn't bother to ask, and I got big blowback. Well, the th- nice thing about it, though, was my buddy Chris at the time got together with a group outside of me and was their spokesman, came back to me and grabbed me at work and said, hey, and they're kind of pissed. And I'm like, what do you mean? What the hell? I thought everybody you know, could handle this. He goes, dude, it's not about handling it. He said, this is just what we're here for, what we like to do. We'd love to do this thing, but we want to do it in this other way. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. My mistake. I should have asked, honestly. I should have. You know, it's we were, we're grown men at the time, and we're still grown men now, um, or mostly. But anyway, <laughs> you're sacrificing your Saturday, your Friday, whatever it is, away from your family or your kids or your, you know, anything else you could be doing to spend four to eight hours, depending on how long your sessions run, doing this thing. And if you don't bother to have, raise your hand early and often, you know, you kind of deserve what you get in a way. You know, if you're going to sit back and just bitch and bitch and bitch and never try to fix it, either as game master or as player, it's not all in the GM to tell you, hey, Sean, this is just how we run the game. And you should have been prepared to put your big boy pants on. You should raise your hand. You're like, look, we didn't talk about this. Are we sure this is what we're going to do? Or I guess this is okay now, but I really don't like it when my characters die in this way. You can have that discussion. I think that's a grown-up thing to do, and it should happen more often than it does. Yeah. So we also touched on it briefly on expectations and the type of game and explaining that a little bit. So the, the one example I kind of led to touch on was the podcast I listened to recently. Now that happened to be, um, I think it was a star Wars game, right? And nobody dies in star Wars. And Not so purpose. We, no, that, that talk about cinematic death, cinematic, cinematic, cinematic death only, right? Darth Vader only dies because he grabs the Emperor, and the Emperor only dies because of, you know, whatever. Nobody dies on purpose there. Right. Except Greedo, and who cares? Right. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, and like, yeah. So you've got different games. you got the Call of Cthulhu um, game, and you had mentioned an example of Call of Cthulhu. We'll circle back with that. And then, you know, DCC has a funnel. I mean, dude, if you're playing Dungeon Crawl Classics, and you don't, if you don't know how... The mortality rate is high. Thank you very much. Yes, you're going to get your ass kicked in that game. And that's kind of the... That's that's, the thing. We talked about that just a bit ago, right? Is that if you understand, look, this is first edition AD&D, and I'm playing it first edition AD&D style. That means if you pick up a potion of poison and the adventure says, guess what? You die if you fail. Yeah. In White Plume Mountain, one of my favorite traps of all time is if you fail to save versus poison, you have instant super tetanus. Instant super tetanus, and you die in like one to four rounds. Dead. But you still have one to four rounds. Yeah, just to, to complain that you have instant super tetanus. But <laughs> you, you, could ha- you could have a guy in the party. Yeah, do something. But there's plenty of save or die things out there, right? Yeah. There's a podcast for it, too. Um, but, right. anyway, but anyway, if you understand that going in, last time I, I ran a really old school adventure for my group, they went, oh, old school, rolled up their sleeves, and they brought in a stack of four or five characters apiece because they knew it was going to be a it was going to be a bloodbath, and it was. I think we killed like ten or eleven of them. They just died left and right. Character sheets flying. Yes, yeah, they right up. Exactly. That was the point, though. They understood that going in, and we had the big boy discussion before we sat down at the table that this is how we're going to do it. So I want to interrupt you on this too. So having said that, because Zave is Zave's talking about story, like, hey, isn't it part of the story? As, yep. You know, they include their death. When you're talking what you just laid out, mm-hmm. that's, there's no story. You come with five characters and you're writing them up. You're not going to go, I was born uh, uh, <laughs> a son of a young couple or whatever, a young farmer. Or and I'm, it, Yeah, so in that case. It's more of a con game. That's mostly a convention game, right? Where you just handed a pre-gen, like whatever. So his name's Bob and he likes socks. Okay, he's Bob the sock guy. Don't care. Moving on. I'll play them however I want to. That's true. So it is kind of like that, what you're talking about, White Plume Mountain. You Did you run it as a one-shot? Yeah. See, that was the thing, though. As I told them, right. one-shot, out of the gate. They went, okay, minimal prep work, whatever. My new Avalon game, which I'm going to use the Azric base system for, they understand the tweaks I'm going to do. They know the story we want to tell. 
they get it because I talked about it. I, I laid it out. We have a we have a wiki page, and um, that Lenny built. And so I, I go out there and I put out the basically the outline of the adventure, the story. I put it out there saying, "This is the type of character you're gonna make. Here's the type of background requirements everybody has. Here's how everybody knows each other. Figure this out. Here's the to do for you, so on and so forth. Boom, this is what you're gonna do." So was Zave in that White Plume Mountain game? Oh yeah. Oh, yep. so he okay. So Zave, <laughs> we got a little bone to pick with you on this question because <laughs> if you if you do That's, think he, let's see, keep going, keep going. I was gonna say if he if he does coincide like character death with story, you know, if you're talking campaign, I can absolutely see how how that ties into it, right? And you want to kind of put that in as. Oh, it's this your hero and your friend is actually dead. How does that affect you as a character now? But if you're playing one shot and you're playing White Plume Mountain like Brett had laid out, you know, then I mean, come on, let's face it, there really is no story there. The story is the freaking survive. Yeah, that mean it and granted, I've actually had somebody get had somebody get pissed off at me on Google Plus that I was too mean with White Plume Mountain because I don't remember it being that deadly. I'm like, whatever, dude, it's it's a game we've had fun. But I Knowing Zave, I I believe I would look at it and say he's talking about a story for that particular character, and the story means a campaign, a start, a finish. You know, however right. I run it or however I set it up. Sure. So he's looking at a prolonged thing, saying, "Look, when I start here, if I die halfway in, I'm gonna come back with somebody else who needs to be an integral part of this thing that's happening. Yeah. He can't be Fightor from Fightor Land, whose mom was raped, who, mom was raped and murdered by orcs, and his father was killed by orcs. Therefore, he hates orcs. Right. He he has to bring a guy back that's that's the dead character's brother, cousin, uncle, father. Right. Yeah, that's the old that's the old Call of Cthulhu <laughs> thing. The, the joke was that you made somebody, and that by the end of Masks of Nyarlathotep, you had um, what you were on like the eighth eighth branch of the family tree because everybody had died or gone insane all the way down the line. But anyway, so, I mean, when Dave or Kevin or honestly Lenny and most of the guys in the group, when they make a character, if he dies in the story, yeah, whoa, shit, that sucked. He's dead. Well, man, that was, that was brutal. Um, Beta had a guy named Beecher. Uh, he was his ex-torturer and he, and he was, a uh, his character was good friends with Lenny's character, Newt. Beecher did something incredibly stupid, ran after a guy and got shot and killed. Like, Boom, dead. And it was like within the first five minutes of the adventure type of thing, everyone looked at him and went, holy shit, you're dead. Wow. And that completely, and what that did was it, he ended up as a ghost because somebody else um, basically pulled his spirit back and stuck it in Newt's head. But anyway, before that happened, though, Newt's character, Lenny, flipped and became a totally bitter person and so on and so forth because it made, he just took it and adapted it into the story, changed his character's personality. So, you know, that that's cool, but we know that's what we're going to do because we've talked about that. So when this type of thing happens and he is your best friend, which is what those characters were, and your best friend dies in some stupid brainless stunt, you it hits you hard, you know? So you, you skipped ahead, you little bastard. So go, <laughs> going into handling player coming back, uh, to the game when they die. Well, actually, no, you didn't. I, I misread that. So somebody dies. Yes. How does the players handle it, and how does the GM handle it? And there's a couple answers I'm looking for behind this question, right? One is, um, how do you meta that? Do you bring the character back? And we're talking like level games, right? So do you bring in the character at the same level as everybody else, even though you were a dumbass and got yourself killed and everybody else got to survive, but you still get rewarded with a character number two at the same level? Or do you start them lower at first if you're everybody's fourth or what's the level difference? And then the second part of that would be how do the players and the GM handle it actually within the game so is there a funeral do the players hey great i loot the body what does he what got what, what do you got on your character buddy you know hey you what's got that, nice what boots? size boots does he wear what size boots <laughs> does that a, does that helmet fit on gnomes because i'm a gnome and i could really use that <laughs> right yeah how many gold pieces did you have oh come on i honestly did to do so apart from the system setup right so if I'm playing a D&D or D&D-like system, I'm like, look, if everybody's if the group's highest level is five, you're fourth. You come in one level lower. Okay. Everyone gets that. That's just, I don't know where I got that from, but that's what I do. The group likes it. Okay. They're in. Sure. From usually when a character dies, 
depending on who's left in the group and depends on, this is my group right now, depends on how the party interacted with that person. They can loot the body. Sometimes they bury him in a shallow grave or sometimes they, like when one of Kevin's characters uh, died, when it is, um, I can't remember his character's name. God, I'm forgetting her. But anyway, she died and they had like a day and a half drunk. They went back to the bar they owned and um, they just, they had a huge feast and got lit up drunk for like a day and a half. And they just had a big wake. They couldn't get the body back because it had been torn and mangled by these horrible mechanical undead things. But it was, um, it was pretty, the group, now granted it wasn't 100% role played through. People weren't like physically trying to weep at the table or anything like that. Like, look, we're going to do this thing. We're going to take her brother off the street. We're going to put him here. We're going to do this thing. We're going to make sure he's taken care of. We've got this thing set up and we're just going to waste two days and get drunk. We're not, <laughs> in a and d terms, we're not answering the phone. I don't care if you come into the quest. We don't care. No one's talking to you. We're mourning for two days. Okay, two days go by. This is what happens. So the player that does not like character death, and the GM knows this, and the character dies, there is the resurrection, right? The, the mighty resurrection. And Brett sticks out his tongue in disgust. The mighty resurrection in old school D&D, and even, even today, I mean, you could potentially do that now some people may actually use that as a plot hook brett if oh, you're yeah. no, no no i get right? it yeah i get it i just don't like it but i get it so do you allow it at all i mean is resurrection even possible not in my world no oh that's quite perf- i mean that's <laughs> like a cut and dry answer no. there. Oh. and the re- one of the reasons is um we do that because we want death to have meaning so i just don't allow it Okay, that's fair. I, I can I can understand that. I have not. Uh, I don't think I've had resurrection come into play. I think we've had like, oh, there's something in the Pathfinder rules. I don't know what is it, Breath of Life or something along those lines. Well, when I say death has to have meaning, means that we had we had the big adult, you know, big boy, big girl conversation where we sat down and I told everybody, look, um, there's none of the, no spells like this. There's no teleport. There's none of this. There's none of that. Oh, by the way, there's no resurrection. There's no this. There's no this. They went, okay, cool. Ooh, this sounds kind of gritty. It's kind of a, a film noir thing. I said, exactly. It's fantasy noir. That's the type of setting it is. Everybody's got a backstory. They went, oh, okay, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I dig this. I dig this. I can totally get into this. So we set up this is the type of story we're going to tell in a story arc or in a campaign. You're in? Great. I'm in. Good. If I were to say we're running Greyhawk, like when Lenny ran, uh, when we killed Thrommel. We expected resurrection. We expected to be able to be reincarnated or whatever the case may be because we were playing Greyhawk, for God's sakes, and it's there. If we've played, when I uh, used to play Forgotten Realms a lot, you expect that stuff. It's there. It's part of the world. That's what you expect to be there. The stories you're going to tell have all of those things in them. So it's, and if you were going to change that and run me through a Greyhawk game, and I find out, oh, I'm sorry, I don't allow resurrection in Greyhawk. I'm like, what the fuck? That's, of course you do. It's Greyhawk. You can't do that. You know, then I might I might get cranky with you. But because you didn't have the, you know, put on your grown-up pants and tell me about that at the beginning. So I think we, we covered a, f- a lot of different things here tonight and a lot of the different questions. Did we get all of da- Zave's? Did we get all of Zave's? Did we hit all of his points? I think we did. I think so. I think, now, one of the pieces I want to bring up about this is that um, the Call of Cthulhu thing and this comes down to when you know characters can die all the time and this I think ties a little bit into into Zave's question as well is that you used to have guys that would I'm pretty sure they still exist you play a Call of Cthulhu and um, the best character you can make is a stupid farmer right who's uh, wrapped in dynamite with a dead man switch he's illiterate and he's big as a house and he walks around and he try doesn't read anything and just dares somebody to kill him because he's metagames and doesn't want to die right he wants to survive he wants to live through this thing it's like this gauntlet of whatever to get to the to the end of it well it's a silly character that's dumb there's no fun to that so even if you make um if you know there's no resurrection you know you could die at any moment you still should make a character that has some meaning and some life to it you know what i'm saying the silly character right. doesn't seem to doesn't seem to have any place. I don't know. There's something about that where you're like, okay, you made Fighter, whose mom was raped by orcs. He hates orcs. He kills orcs. I get it. That's almost more believable than the you know ex football player 
Cody with Dynamite and a Dead Man switch in Call of Cthulhu because you're like, dude, really? Yeah, but Call of Cthulhu, you could play somebody who's completely off the rocker. I mean, part of that game is just being nutty and, ins- and insane. Yeah. That's so, I mean, true. he could have feasibly been normal and then something made him into a suicide bomber. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, 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 I would ask the, the player, just... like, dude, how are, why... First of all, what is what the right. hell? What's right. your thing? Wait, how did he how did he get to this point? But as soon as you do that, you're making him be not silly. He has to explain himself away. He can't be like, "Well, I got to survive, man. I really I just want to live." Uh, all right. <laughs> why why are you with these people then? Why didn't you just go home? So anyway, I guess where I'm coming from is that if you're going to make a character who does that stuff, that's okay. I guess, if that's what your group wants to do. If it's all about survival and you just want to make sure you've got more hit points and more powers than everybody else, it's all about a slog of getting through this grinding thing. Kind of like the funnel, if you will, from DCC, right? right? You just, whoever pops out the end is your character because he's the one that actually made it. (sighs) But even then, I guess, you know, to Zave's point, as soon as you make the silly character and somebody goes, why is he like that? You, you start to put some meat on those bones and make it into something that's reasonable and playable. And um, I think you'd have to ask yourself, do you really want to play this silly character for ten sessions? Really? You want to play this guy who does nothing but just walk around with a dead man switch coated in dynamite just hoping that some deep one comes up to him so he can die? Really? Yeah. I know, just... He's got to be entertaining. He's got to be interesting. So I think if I were to address Zave's direct, Zave directly, I would say it depends on... So if the GM and you and the group discuss it and you come to the conclusion of how you want to play the game and it's not the way you want to play as a player, then you got to find something else. And if it is, then great. And if it's... So I think it's kind of just working that out because I... Or you just tolerate it, right? Okay, so they, it's yeah. not high. It's not a high mortality rate. Fine, I'll deal with it. Or it can, it, you know, maybe it's not a high mortality rate, but you're going to pick the time in place that you're going to, you know, stern bright blade your ass out on the, you know, the um, whatever the walk he was and the dragon comes and smashes him in the face yep. and kills him. And then that's your quote unquote destiny or or your choice. And you can let the GM know, hey, I'm I'm all right with this. I'm dying a heroic death and that's the way it's going to be. And I want a big funeral with... You know, honors or whatever. Does that is it sum it up pretty well for you? I think so. Yeah. I mean, the main thing is have the big have the big kid conversation. Talk to each other and say, "Hey, this is the type of world I want to run from a game master perspective." And the players can say, "Well, um, I'm okay with that. We'll give that a try." Or, "Yeah, no, I'm totally. I'm in. You know, both hands, teeth, mouth. And we're going to do this thing." Or, "No, none of us at the table want to do that. Can we try something else?" Right. You know, and just have that discussion. It's the social contract thing like we, we throw out there kind of as like it's this thing everybody knows about but you really do just need to be a big kid and talk yeah. to each other it's hard when you're a young kid right I mean when I talk to the high schoolers and they talk about oh geez I can't run for this group because they're just so mean or they eat me alive and whatever it is and I talk to them and they they tell me hey how, how did you get people to do this and like well what are you doing what's going on and you analyze what's going on and they're not talking they're just doing something, thinking I can just make a thing happen, and they don't have to get buy-in. They don't have to get anybody to agree. As we said at the beginning, it, it's a social thing, and some of the ways to be social is that if you want to have a house party and your wife doesn't, you got to find a way to convince your wife that this is okay, You know that you can invite your friend even though she hates your friend's wife or vice versa or whatever the case may be. Fine, I'll put up with it. It's okay. We can deal with this. Or we got to go to this family event even though I don't like it. You know, but you have to have a discussion about it. You can't just sit there and do nothing. And actually, the hardest thing you have with the high school kids is to get them to understand that you need to have those conversations. You need to, you know, try small stuff. Don't go huge. Don't go, you know, Wheel of Time. Oh my God, Game of Thrones right out of the gate. Just ease into it, run a simple dungeon in a small town. One of the beautiful things about Dungeon Crawl Classics, you, you have a small area that you operate in, and just see how that feels. What is everybody like? Kind of sort it out, you know, and then and then build on it. Don't try to bite off more than you can chew at once. Figure out what people want to do, however you need to, and then you can keep it moving forward. 
All right, so I think we've we've gone through that topic pretty well. Zave, thanks so much for the email. I'm much appreciated. But uh, it's time for us to head into Die Roll. <laughs> Die Roll, where we talk about two to four miscellaneous points we want to bring up. Uh, and it could be pretty much anything. I'm going to start off with Brett. Looks like you might have one to... 1D3 things to talk about. Yeah, I rolled the D4, came up with three. So I went camping with my boys this last weekend, and apart from coming down with a nasty head cold, it was gorgeous weather. It was um, just beautiful, beautiful. And uh, Governor got D- Governor Dodge uh, State Park in my uh, area of the woods is over by uh, Dodgeville, Wisconsin, and it was gorgeous. I didn't realize it, but there's this, there's this trail called Cave Trail. So the boys want to go see the cave. I'm like, ah, whatever, it can't be that in- impressive, you know. Hiking, 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 hiking. Because you play D&D, dude. Exactly. Nothing can impress you. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've gone to bigger and badder things in your mind. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, there's actually there's actually this little cave, which is a totally separate area, and then the larger one. It was really cool. We got to crawl into this uh, one smaller cave. There's spider you know, webs hanging and stuff everywhere, and you can see bat droppings, and the, the boys thought this was just amazing. Then we get to the larger one. And, um, Do you guys have a light source? Yes, we did. And it doesn't help that I'm claustrophobic. So we get to the larger one. I get in so far, and both the boys scoot through this hole just like that. They're in and done. Like, Dad, Dad, this is great. Oh, great. Can I have the flashlight? Yeah, here you go. And I get there, and I start to go through, and I get caught, and I'm done. I just lock up. I'm like, I am done. And like, you you okay? I'm like, I'm done. I said, Dad, just can't. I'm fine. I'm going to hang here. You guys do your thing. And I'm like, deep breathing, because I'm freaking out. And um, I had gotten, I had long history. I actually got, I got trapped one time in a, uh, in a machine when I worked uh, summer help in a factory. But anyway, point is, is, it was goofy because my head immediately goes to this. I'm like, I'd make a super shitty dwarf, man. I'd be the crappiest adventure right now. Because in a game, you'd be like, oh, I'll just crawl right through that hole. It's no big deal. Who cares? There's a monster on the other side. Fuck, I'll go through feet first, you know. I No, I couldn't go. I just locked up. Boys had a blast. That was really, really cool. We were exhausted. We were initially going to play some D&D this weekend, and they kind of wanted to do that, but by the time we got back to the camp, everyone was un- just like unconscious. We all just slept. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So that's number one. The uh, second one is um, one of my buddies, um, uh, Mike Sigman, is part owner of Albion Swords. Albion Swords is out in Aglaris. and um, they- Nice guy. Yeah, Mike's a nice dude. And uh, I bought one blade from him a while back. And he has some Jody Sampson blades. And Jody Sampson is the guy who made the swords for the original Conan movie that was Schwarzenegger. The father sword and Valeria's blade and Conan's blade and all that stuff. And he had designed a number of different swords. And they have all the swords left that Jody had ever made. And he died, unfortunately, very young. He had pneumonia. And he passed away a number of years ago. And he had a couple of them. Last time I had gone camping, went out. He gave us a tour of his uh, shop, which is really cool. See the armor, all the blades and stuff. And I picked one out that I wanted, and it's sharpened up, and it's ready for me to grab it. So I should be getting that this week. So I'm pretty excited about that. So you're ar- you're going to be armed and dangerous with a, sh- a real live sharpened sword. Well, that'll be my second one. Yeah, I've got another one. Is it a two-handed uh, long sword? Uh, this one is more of a uh, it's kind of a saber style, single edge, uh, one-handed. The other one I have is a um, more of a bastard sword, hand and half long sword. That's really see, cool. So the bastard sword you wield one-handed or two? Um, depends. I can actually hold it one-handed. It's pretty light. It's pretty nice. <laughs> You're a pretty big dude. So yeah, I can see that. <laughs> All right. And the last thing up is I've got my. Uh, I've talk, which, I brought this up the last couple times. My Avalon game got a new kickoff coming this next weekend, and I've got some background stuff I'm behind on. A couple of characters had some specific needs that they have. So I had, um, of course, me being me, like, oh, I could totally write that up. It'll take me a half hour. I can do this, do that, and all it takes is, you know. I got five kids and a job, so I get busy really fast, and I'm behind. I got some prep work I got to wrap up this week. So I should be able to do that, though. I got a bunch of it done today, so I'm feeling pretty good. So so did you have your characters, like, hey, we're going to run this, make up, make up your guy, or do you do that at the first session? I usually have them make up their guy. We've got a couple... Um, Finer points that we'll be doing some of the uh, inner character connections. If you will, I'm stealing a bit of the uh, uh, da, 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 dungeon world. Thank you. The dungeon world uh, connections. Like, hey, you know him from where? And you're oh, the bonds this way. Some of the bonding type of thing. Yeah, I love the concept behind it. We've done that type of thing before. It's a very good mechanism. Yeah, yeah, it's a good uh, 
a good mechanic in Dungeon World. So there's bonds and basically they're open-ended sentences or statements that you make and you incorporate a character. So for example, if you're running a cleric, it may be something to the effect of blank's faith is, is low. I will do whatever I can to, to help them find the way. And so in Dungeon World, when you achieve in your adventure, if you achieve that bond and you actually fulfill that, you get XP for doing that. And then you create a new bond, which is pretty cool. That's just one more reason to is for me to continue to grow my RPG book collection. Because even if I don't run the rules, right? If the guy's, ah, I don't know if I want to buy another rule system. I really want to run this thing instead. Can't we just use part of that or like that idea? There's so many ideas and concepts and so many different games that are so freaking awesome. That just there, you can pick them up and put it over here, and it works perfectly fine. There's no reason you can't use bonds in any game you run. It works. All right, those are my three, Sean. What do you got? My first one, Ben Gerber. He's a guy I follow on G+. Um, ben is, I think he actually moderates one of the board gaming communities on G+, as well. And he is looking to raise money for Extra Life, which is an organization that raises money for the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. And I believe what Ben has pledged is to game for 24 hours straight. Um, And so if you um, feel generous and want to reach into your pockets, I know um, there's probably some other folks that are doing it as well. But um, this all goes down. He's going to the gaming uh, 24 hour part is going to be on October 25th. Um, I think the last day to pledge, I'm actually looking, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I think it goes, I don't know if it goes up until that exact date or not. Well, we're going to put, we're, post that link. You're, we're going to post a link. We are going to post so a link, I, yep, I, to Ben's profile. I suggest you guys check it out. That's that's an awesome thing. I've, I've run a game for 13 hours before, and I've been hoarse as hell afterwards. I can't imagine gaming for 24 hours. At least not at my age, <laughs> being able to do it, being worth anything. That's awesome. I thought um, Rodney Thompson and Greg Bealsman was going to, sorry if I butchered your last name, Greg. I thought those two are going to do the same thing too, but I don't I don't know where they have that stuff posted. But I'll post a link to, to Ben's info where you can read more information about that. Um, then, so that's number one. Number two, um, so I want to shout out to Michael Althauser uh, for mentioning us on G+. Uh, he, I know you know Michael and worked with him through uh, Dark Theater. He, so Michael makes some pretty cool dice bags. Yep, I've got um, three of his different dice bags, and I purchased um, the first that I, I got was uh, for the 20th anniversary for my game club. I took our, we'd made a coat of arms a while back. It was kind of cool. And I said, hey, this guy, I see him on Google Plus a lot. He does these dice bags. This would be pretty cool. He does, you know, print screening and blah, blah, blah. Hey, could you do these? He goes, oh, no problem. Bam, and I got 12 of them. And uh, he's just awesome. He's a super nice guy, very friendly. He makes great stuff. I beat the hell out of his dice bags, uh, cram them full of stuff, throw them in my luggage, drag them, throw them in my, in my motorcycle, ridden up to uh, my hometown to game, throw them in the bottom of a, of a bag that bang around there for a month until next time. They're great. Yeah. I love them. So he has an Etsy, uh, an Etsy account where you can go and um, buy his dice bags, and I know he does custom makes. Um, so it's etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash grade out, and that's grade with a G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T. Check his stuff out. Um, thanks so much, Michael, for for you know plugging us out on Google+. Plus. I know you've got a few followers and... Um, much appreciated. Second thing I wanted to help out or um, mention too is David Reichgeld. It's funny. I think Michael and David are both from from Deutschland. <laughs> I think they're both German. Um, so David was nice enough. I was trying to get like the mic uh, that we got and then put our gaming in BS. And David was just the guy. I'm like t- tinkering around with this thing. I told Brett, I'm like, here I am futzing with this thing for like a freaking hour. And I cannot get the text to kind of curve around the top of our mic. And it's just driving me nuts. And, you know, I posted on Google Plus how pissed off I was getting. And David was like, dude, can I help? And he did it like in 10 minutes. I think his answer was, does it need to look like this? Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm like, just, you know, and granted, anybody with any Photoshop skills could do it. And I don't mean to take that away from David by any means, 
but he volunteered and just said, Hey, I'll do it. Here you go. Will this do the trick? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. So there are people that are helping us out with the podcast and in different ways. And we appreciate the support is what I'm trying to get at. So, Oh, um, absolutely. That was cool. It's, it's really good. I mean, that would have been like three hours of Sean an hour and a half of Brett, <laughs> just trying to figure out how to get it to work. I wouldn't have, even, wouldn't have even looked right at the end. So David did us a big favor with that. That was really yeah. cool. So that's all that I had for this episode. Uh, anything else from you, Brett, before we sign off? No, I think that's about it. I think we covered the we covered the questions pretty well. I mean, it's any number of these topics we've thrown on back and forth, character death and so forth. I mean, we could go, you know, buy us a twelve pack and we could go on forever. <laughs> I mean, some of these things are pretty in depth, but I think we uh, I think we hit the points we need to hit tonight. So. Alright, so having said that, this is another episode of Gaming and BS. I'm one of the co-hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Have a good one.